Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. And that leads us to today's topic. Hi, my name is Mark, and I wanted to ask a question about my daughter's lunch at school. I remember back when I was in school, all I was served was deep-fried bean burritos every day. But I feel like healthier lunches are more appreciated nowadays. You think that's true? Thank you. <laughs> a deep-fried bean burrito. That sounds what, delicious. What could be healthier than that? <laughs> I mean, I'm with him. I like. I remember eating these warm fresh cookies, chocolate chip cookies from my school cafeteria every morning. <laughs> so times are changing, luckily. Yeah. Now, I remember when breakfast was supposed to be the most important meal of the day. Breakfast <laughs> is important, but all meals are important. Okay. So we're going to talk about lunch today. Yep. That's the topic we're going to sink our teeth into today. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So the main issue is that food at school should appeal to kids, right? Right. It should, but it should also be healthy. So it's healthy, so that means like full of nutrients. Mm -hmm. And in that, the food should not be high in fat or high in calories. Right, because we know there's a huge problem with obesity in the U.S. Right, and the percentage of children and adolescents affected by obesity has more than tripled since the 1970s. Wow, so now nearly one-fifth of school-age children have obesity. Right, and we know that there are many factors that contribute to obesity. Like genetics, metabolism, physical activity. And consuming too many calories than is needed for growth and activity also leads to that weight gain. And so some of these things we can't control, like genetics or some of the other factors. But we can control caloric imbalances. So paying attention to a healthy diet is critical to addressing childhood obesity. Right, and we have to remember that children with obesity are at higher risk for important health conditions. Like diabetes, asthma, heart disease. Plus, they're more at risk for being bullied and teased by their peers. And that means that they're more likely to suffer from social isolation, depression, and lower self-esteem. Right. And in the long term, an obese child is much more likely to be obese as an adult, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. Right. And then adults with obesity are at higher risk of having diabetes, heart disease, metabolic syndrome. And cancers. Yeah. So back to how meals at school are important. Mm -hmm. So it should be easy to have healthy food available at school, right? Well, not that easy. And why is that? Because meal planning for schools is a very complicated process. I see, because menus need to cater to a wide range of tastes. And restrictions, like think of all these kids with peanut allergies these days. Mm -hmm, Right, and um, then budgets are limited also. Right. So the food that's available at school is that usually needs to be a lower cost and not require much preparation. Mm-hmm, right. And so the, the stuff that's lower cost and doesn't require preparation is usually unhealthy, right? Right. And yeah. these foods are often high in fat, sugar, salt. And that's not good for kids. Right. So let's take a step back and look at school lunches from a different perspective. Okay. First of all, let's look at the magnitude of the issue. The magnitude of lunch. (laughs) The magnitude of lunch and children. Uh So there are more than 55 million children and teens that attend public schools in the United States. That's a lot of kids. A lot of kids. 
And are school lunches an important part of their diet? Such an important part. So kids will eat between 35 to 40 percent of their daily calories at school. Wow, I didn't realize it was that significant. So it's a really important for these calories that they're getting at school to be healthy ones. And they're not healthy calories? Oh, not really. So about a third of these calories are unhealthy. Ouch. So if we can make food that they eat at school healthier... Then this can make a real difference. Yeah. And this seems like a really daunting task, though. I think you're right. So let's break it down. Good idea. All right. So let's look at the categories of food that kids eat at school. Okay. There's school meals. Like breakfast, lunch, after-school snacks. Mm -hmm. Then there's food and drinks that are sold at school. So those are like Like from a vending machine or something. Right, and then there are other foods. Like snacks and lunches that are brought in by students. Right, or sold at sporting events or school fundraisers. Or maybe served for special occasions or birthday parties or for rewards or something. Oh yeah, that too. Okay, so how are school meals paid for? Well, many school meals are at least partly funded by the federal government. Okay, so I'm guessing that these subsidies, these federal subsidies, are going to be attached to rules with how the money can be spent. Totally. So let's start with school breakfast, national school lunch, and after-school programs. And these are all sponsored by the USDA, right? Yep, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. How much do these programs cost? They cost over $13 billion every year. $13 billion. This is a huge issue. It's kind of like crazy to even wrap your mind around mm-hmm. that much money. But they're so, so vitally important for our children and their diets. Okay. So and this, this is more so for children who are at risk for food insecurity. Yeah. That's the state of being without reliable access to sufficient quantity of affordable and nutritious food, which a lot of kids in the United States are, unfortunately. How big of a problem is food insecurity? Almost one in eight people in the U.S. have food insecurity, which includes 12 million children or more. Wow. And since we talked about how much school meals contribute to children's nutrition. Yeah, we can really appreciate how important school meals are. So let's get back to these um, these mm-hmm. these programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how many meals do these programs support? These programs support more than 31 million lunches and 11 million breakfasts per day for kids. <laughs> That's just a, it's just hard to think about how many meals that is. No, and remember that funding for these meals is tied to guidelines for healthy eating, which so- is good. That's good, but what what kind of guidelines are these? So, for example, many of these school meals may not contain more than 30% of total calories from fat and no more than 10% from saturated fat. So the school children are getting healthier meals. That's the idea behind it. And more fruits, vegetables, Mm -hmm. and grains. And Mm. they try and really make balanced menus. So this makes a lot of sense. So not deep fried burritos. (laughs) Sorry, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, reducing overall fat content by serving more vegetarian options, less beef and pork, and fewer fried foods. Okay, but now I'm getting worried that kids won't find this food appealing if it's not fried. (laughs) Yeah, and one more thing. Okay. They're trying to vary menus by having more ethnic dishes, which I think is awesome. That's nice, yeah. Yeah, and it can help educate children about different cultures and ethnicities. Yeah, so are there other interventions to improve children's eating habits? Yep, obviously trying to increase awareness about the links between food and health for kids. And this should result in lifelong, healthier eating habits, right? That would be the idea, yep. Okay, so what are the overall guidelines that are followed? These are the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. Sometimes you'll see them referred to as DGAs. Okay, and what do the DGAs involve? It's a plan that involves schools, parents, and community members to improve school meals 
plus promote health education. So do all these programs that we talked about, do they, do they actually make a difference? I think they do. The USDA says that more than 90% of schools are now serving meals that meet these higher nutritional standards. That's really good news. Yeah, it is. And children who consume meals at school have better nutrition than those consuming alternative meals. So they have like higher protein, vitamins, and calcium intake? Right. But remember that healthier foods can also be more expensive. So this may be financially challenging for schools. And sometimes we can do even better. Okay, so there's a lot of programs out there. And a lot of resources. And it sounds like there's a lot of desire at federal, state, and local levels to get children to eat better. Plus, in some communities, they're also learning how to grow produce. So schools may have, you know, a little farm or something to encourage kids. Yeah, so educational, too. That's great. Yeah. And if parents aren't satisfied with the choices available in their child's school cafeteria, then they should get more involved. So like with parent-teacher organizations? Well, that's a good place to start. So give us an idea of what kind of things parents can really be advocating for. Sure, like making sure that the salad bar offers a good selection of raw vegetables and low-fat dressings. So that they don't have to revamp the whole school cafeteria. No, even little small steps can make a difference. Are there other organizations that parents can partner with? There are some local and state programs that work with schools to make sure lunches and other meals are healthier. So can you give us an example? Sure. So we practice in California. Right. And here it's the California Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Program. Okay. I think the name pretty much indicates (laughs) their focus. (laughs) Right. It's a state program. It's also funded by the USDA. And it provides schools with additional free fruits and vegetables that they can supply to their students. Okay. So this supplements other programs. Right. Like the school breakfast program. And the national school lunch program. And it also teaches children and teachers about good nutrition. So we'll provide a link to this program on our website. Totally. Is there anything else parents can do if they want to be more involved with school nutrition? Yeah, many states have advisory councils on school nutrition policies and priorities. Mm-hmm. And um, we have that here, for example, in California. Yeah, it's called the Child Nutrition Advisory Council, or CNAC. CNAC. Sounds mm-hmm. like snack, huh? <laughs> yeah. So how do parents get involved? In California, these advisory councils meet every other month. So parents can attend these meetings? Or call into the meetings. And do they have a voice? Yeah, there are usually opportunities for public testimony, so for individuals to speak up. Okay, and I suppose if the parent's really motivated... They could even get appointed to this council. Oh, yeah, that that makes sense. (laughs) So we'll provide a link to the CNAC on our website. Any other ideas? Well, we can talk about vending machines stocking healthier snacks. I get it. So instead of high-fat and empty-calorie munchies... Mm-hmm. There could be more water. And less soda. Speaking of soda, we oh, should talk about... Yeah, we should talk about beverages, too, because mm-hmm. we're talking about food, but um, there's soda, right? Right. So what do current standards and guidelines say about beverages? You know, I actually learned from this one, because I thought you could still have, like, soda and things in school, but you are only really supposed to sell plain or carbonated water. Well, that sounds good. Or low-fat milk, mm-hmm. unflavored or flavored fat-free milk, mm-hmm. or milk alternatives. So when you talk about flavored, we're talking about chocolate milk? Yeah, you can have chocolate milk. <laughs> okay. Or 100% fruit juice or vegetable juice. So no sugar added. No, but as you remember, we've talked about this in our fruit juice episode. Right, in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. So even 100% fruit juice mm-hmm. is still not great. Right, it's better to eat the fruit. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so what about portion size for beverages? Well, luckily for drinking water, there are no limits. Okay, so that makes sense for thirsty children should be (laughs) able to drink water. Yeah, when they're active and playing sports. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, portions are limited to 8 ounces in elementary schools and 12 ounces in middle and high school. Okay, any other options? High schools may also sell calorie-free flavored and unflavored carbonated waters or other calorie-free drinks. So most beverages with added sugars have been limited. Yeah, but not all sugars are eliminated. Sounds like maybe this works for soft drinks, but not flavored. You know, that is, you know, for chocolate milk. Right, there's always a balance. Because milk consumption is good in Mm -hmm. terms of um, calcium intake. Right. But won't the added sugar lead to weight gain and all the health problems associated with obesity? Actually, studies have looked at the consumption of flavored milks, and it doesn't seem to lead to weight gain. Oh, so that's good. That'll be good news for some parents listening. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But in addition to calcium, milk also provides other benefits, such as vitamin D and potassium. So milk is good. Okay. We should also address the unregulated foods at school. So the ones that kids bring themselves Mm -hmm. to school. And so schools encourage healthier foods to be brought in, right? Right, but this can be a bit controversial. How's that controversial? Because some schools want to prohibit sweets from, like, class parties like cupcakes or Mm -hmm. brownies or something. Okay, or maybe no selling candy for fundraisers. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Right, and then parents wonder, what the heck is wrong with a cupcake every now and then, right? Well, there's no harm with an occasional cupcake, right? Right, right. Right, Right. as long as it's part of an overall healthy diet. Right, we have to put the cupcake into perspective. Oh, that sounds like that could be a name of a band or something, cupcake into perspective. (laughs) So what about banning sweets at parties or, or as rewards? I think this may seem extreme to some parents because it forces people to think of healthy ways to celebrate. Yeah, healthy foods. Right, or without foods at all. Like sending in small gifts or pencils for classmates instead of sweets. Right, and banning selling candy for fundraisers or school events as it also forces people to stop and think about what they're doing and what they could replace it with. Right, and then this this really changes the messages that they're sending. And how it might impact the students. It makes a statement how the school values student health. Right, and it creates a school culture of healthy eating. And the culture is important. Right, because parents can pack and send in really whatever they want for their children's lunch or snack. And we know that far too many children are eating junk food. Processed foods. And washing it down with sugar-sweetened beverages. Mm-hmm, which is understandable. Because not only do kids prefer these foods. But they're often less expensive. Mm-hmm. So, and they're often less convenient. Mm-hmm. Totally. But these foods, like we've said before, can lead to obesity. And again, that really increases the risk of high cholesterol, high blood pressure. And other health problems. And we don't want any of that to happen to children. And parents generally want their kids to grow up to be healthy. And that's why we all need to work together. To help the foods that kids buy at school and the foods that they bring be healthier. So that school is a place where both minds and bodies are nourished. And made stronger. To give our children a better future. Totally. Let's summarize some of the main points about making meals and snacks at school healthier. Children consume a significant proportion of their calories at school. So making sure that these school meals are healthy should be a priority. Federal, state, and local programs have guidelines in place to make school meals healthier. Which is great. And then there are lower quality foods that make their way into schools. From parents or students. Teachers and staff. Mm-hmm. Fundraisers and class birthdays. Mm-hmm. This could be um, bake sales and booster sales. Or holiday parties. And all these may feature candy. Sweets or fried foods. 
So chips and other snack-type foods may be included. Or sodas. And sports venues and events often have refreshments for the players. And they can be sold to spectators, like at a stand. Mm-hmm. And they might be high in calories. But low in nutrient values. So there are opportunities for parents to work to make the food at school even healthier. Parents may want to get involved with their schools to make sure that the meals are more nutritious. And that the snacks and other options sold at school are healthy. Plus making sure that foods sold at sporting events and fundraisers are healthy. And don't forget that food is brought in by parents for celebrations and rewards. These are all opportunities to model good nutritional behavior in the school. And in your community. So that children avoid the consequences of unhealthy diets. Like obesity, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol. And instead grow up healthy. And strong. So let's get back to our phone call question from Mark about deep fried bean burritos every day at school. We're not recommending that, are we? No, and, you know, probably back when he was in school, the government didn't really have any type of role into deciding what was going to be served. And so the cheapest, the fastest, and the easiest, mm-hmm. the deep fried bean burrito. And that would be also something that kids would like. So, yeah. so like, everybody was happy. Right, right, right. But it seems like that will be phased out, so he won't see that in his daughter's school, which in the end is good. He'll have to save the deep-fried bean burrito for a very special occasion when dad's watching the kids. Right. (laughs) There you go. So speaking of meals at school, that reminds me of a joke. Oh, gosh. I thought we were going to get away with a joke without one. (laughs) Okay. So what do math teachers eat for lunch? What do they eat? Square meals. I don't get it. A square meal? You should eat the three square meals a day. You never heard that expression? No, I've never heard that expression. I don't think we could demonstrate the generational differences <laughs> any better than with that joke. <laughs> I really don't get it. Okay, so we thank dietitian Stacy Collins at UC Davis Children's Hospital for reviewing today's topic, although Dr. Lena and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. You can find more information at our website, blog.ucdmc.ucdavis.edu slash kids hyphen considered. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Please call us 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. So, were you a school lunch guy, or did you bring your lunch? I brought my lunch. I brought my lunch to school every every day. Yeah, I was more of bring my own lunch as well, but I did eat some things there if I liked it. Like, Mm -hmm. there were these, like, like fried bacon—it's just like what he was talking about, these, like, fried potatoes. Uh It was almost like a twice-baked potato that I would get there, the chocolate chip cookies that I already mentioned. Uh And Top Ramen. Top Ramen. (laughs) A favorite (laughs) of all kids. Right. So that just, again, highlights that it was not nutritious. Mm -hmm. And then, like, how about those Lunchables? Our kids kids are still into Lunchables? Because I loved, you know, like, you make your own, like, pizza that wasn't even a pizza because you obviously couldn't cook it. Right. But those those are all processed. Horrible. And we did our food additives episode. They're just awful. And Lunchables are still, unfortunately, a part of kids' lives. I remember begging my parents at the grocery store for Lunchables. So So you're a really busy person now. So are your lunches more nutritious now? 
I try to make them more nutritious. So mm -hmm. I'll bring healthy snacks. Like mm -hmm. I think in my bag, I had some like um, dried like banana chips or mm -hmm. plantain chips. And at the cafeteria, I try to eat, you know, the salad bar and mm -hmm. chicken and things like that. Although I am not perfect. And I will frequently get this little breakfast egg sandwich that we have mm -hmm. in the mornings. They're like called the McDavis, we call them, because they're just, everybody gets them for a quick bite on the way out. So mm -hmm. always a work in progress, but I definitely try my best. I think the unhealthiest that I've ever eaten at lunch was during medical school. I think the only thing I ever had for lunch, I had one of two things. I'd either have french fries for uh. lunch or I'd get one of those big European chocolate bars and have that for, <laughs> have that for lunch. And that horrible. was a, like, is it a chocolate day or a French fry day? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so happy that our kids are being taken better care of than mm -hmm. even when we were in school. So Absolutely. that's great. It is. It is.